All right. Uh, this is the second to last message you're going to hear from me. Uh, I know, right? It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> and and I got to start off by apologizing because I made a rookie mistake. Uh, so I, I usually have slides, you know, for you guys. And um, so I made the slides. And then I think I forgot to press Control S. <laughs> so when I imported them today from Dropbox, there was only like three slides. So Aaron back there has been fiercely adding in all my Bible verses. Uh, but um, it's not going to be organized. You know, uh, I think I'll, for me, I'm a very audio-visual learner. Uh, I like to see uh, things. So uh, some of that will be missing. Uh, and I'm going to try to do it in the break. But I'll try to explain this as best I can then. Okay, so just forgive me. I'm sorry. Usually I have that. Uh, all right. We have been going through Jeremiah. Uh, we've been going through Jeremiah, and um, we went through a period where uh, we saw Jeremiah's prophecies kind of in order chronologically. Uh, and then we've been in this section where we've been seeing these flashbacks of different moments uh, of Jeremiah's life. Uh, and you guys ever watch, you know, dramas or TV shows that have a really confusing plot? And at the beginning of the show, it'll say, previously on Game of Thrones, except none of it matters because Game of Thrones sucks now. That's right, I said it. Game of Thrones sucks. This season sucked, right? Anyways, um, so before we get to 28, which is where we're at right now, I want to do a quick uh, previously a recap from the last chapter uh, that we looked at last week. So Jeremiah 27, verse 1 through 2, uh, we saw in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, uh, the son of Josiah. So in the beginning of this guy's reign, Jeremiah said, you are going to put your yoke bars on yourself. And then he actually made yoke bars and started wearing them. Uh, and then he spoke to the priests and he said, don't listen to anyone that says you will now shortly be brought back from Babylon. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. So he's wearing this yoke bar at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah. And he's saying, don't listen to anybody that says you will come back shortly. This is what happens in chapter 28. In that same year, at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, there it is again, right? The beginning of the reign of Zedekiah. In the fifth month of the fourth year, so for five months, for five months, Jeremiah has been walking around with these yoke bars on his back. Um, that is super uncomfortable. So he's been walking around town with these yoke bars, and every time somebody sees him, he's been saying, we are going to be yoked to Babylon. We are going to be yoked to Babylon. But in the fifth month of the fourth year, Hananiah, the son of Azur, the prophet from Gibeah, spoke to me, Jeremiah, in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests and all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon." I will also bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and all the exiles from Judah who went to Babylon, declares the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. So here's this guy, Hananiah, who comes, and he says, hey, all this terrible stuff that we're going through, it's going to be over in two years. 
Now, Jeremiah made it clear, don't listen to anyone that says shortly, right? Shortly, this will happen. And Hanani is kind of in this place where two years, let me ask you, is two years shortly? Is two years shortly for you? So if I were to say to you, hey, don't worry, you're going to get straight A's shortly in two years. <laughs> for some of you, that seems like a really long time away. But if I were to say to you, hey, you're going to get married shortly in two years. For some of you guys are like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that's crazy. Two years is kind of this, uh, right? Is that a small amount of time? Is that a long amount of time? It's kind of right on that cusp. And you see what, we, what Jeremiah is encountering here with Hananiah is that there are false prophets who are clearly false prophets. But there are also false prophets that sound a lot like real prophets. You see, this is where life gets tricky. Because there are things that are clearly bad, right? There are things that are clearly bad. A guy in a street corner selling heroin, clearly bad. A CEO who says, let's defraud thousands of senior citizens just to make more money, clearly bad. A Klansman in a hood and a robe saying, let's kill black people, clearly bad. Okay, can we all agree on those things, right? Okay, some of you are like, what's wrong with that? Oh my God, you need Jesus, right? Like, okay, all three clearly bad. But sometimes the danger hides. What if it's not someone selling, selling heroin? What if it's a pharmacy company selling an opioid saying that it, it helps with your pain? What if it's not a CEO saying, let's defraud all these people? What if it's a CEO saying, we have to think about our shareholders? We have to cut costs. What if it's not someone in a row, but what if it's a website that just claims to be nationalistic? Where's that line? You see, it's in the church, too. There is a danger, a real danger, of things that are almost true. You see, and we talk a lot about, right, you know, there are things that you can very clearly tell are not Christian, right? Somebody comes to you and says, Jesus was just a man. Somebody comes to you and says, we should all, you know, not eat pork or stuff like that. And you're like, okay, that's not Jesus. It's very clear. But what happens when it's almost true? It sounds good. You see, Hananiah is saying, okay, Jeremiah, I get what you're saying. We're going to go to Babylon, and it's going to be a while. But maybe it's not 70 years. It's just going to be two years. You see, we can talk about atheism and universalism and all that stuff, and I love to, right? But that's oftentimes it's very clearly one side against the other. But what about the things that are more subtle? There was one time for uh, a Friday, and I'm actually very excited that um, next year Fridays are going to come back because there's a lot of fun stuff that we used to do on Fridays that I kind of miss. Um, but I remember one time for a Friday, uh, we did this thing where each of the staff members that were there uh, pretended to be somebody from a different religion. And so we had students sit and just, you know, try to talk to us about Jesus. Uh, and so I uh, got Mormon. And it was hilarious because after about 20 minutes, 
the students in the circle didn't realize that I wasn't a Christian. <laughs> they were looking at me, they were like, wait, I thought you were supposed to be a different religion. And I was like, I am. Do you know which one? And they're like, no, we don't. And it's not always sometimes a, even a completely different label. What about the people that are in church that say that Christianity is just about you becoming a better person? It's just about you finding your own truth. They will talk about Jesus, almost true. There's two big dangers that I want to warn you about. And I want to, uh, some of the points that we're going to see uh, coming up, I'm going to frame it within these two things. I think these are the two biggest almost truths that are a danger to our church, especially in America today. The first is the prosperity gospel. Now, if you've never heard this phrase before, uh, it's commonly used, prosperity gospel, which in a nutshell for me is this. The prosperity gospel is that God's love is equal to our comfort. So people will be out there saying that God loves you, therefore he's going to make you rich, therefore he's going to heal you, he's going to do all these things to make you comfortable. So God's love equals your comfort. So if God loves you, he will make you comfortable. That's one almost truth. Because it's true that God wants to bless us, but that's not quite it. The other side that is in danger today is what I call the penance gospel. So there's the prosperity gospel, and then there's the penance gospel. And the penance gospel is that God's will for you is to work harder. We hear that a lot of times in church, right? God wants you to stop doing all these things and start doing these things because then he'll bless you. God's will for you is to work harder, try harder, and do better. And that sounds good sometimes, but they're not. And the allure of these things, in fact, the allure of all almost truths, is that sometimes the almost truths sound really good. In fact, even Jeremiah himself has to acknowledge that. Jeremiah 28, verse 5 through 6. Then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to Hananiah, the prophet, in the presence of the priests and all the people who were standing in the house of the Lord. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. May the Lord do so. May the Lord make the, work, the words that you have prophesied come true and bring back to this place from Babylon the vessels of the house of the Lord and all the exiles. Now, I don't know, because for me, when I read that, there's a, there's a slight tinge where Jeremiah is kind of clapping back in a little sarcastic way. He's like, good job, good job. Yeah, that'd be nice. But he's acknowledging that would be nice, right? Hananiah, if it's only two years instead of 70 years, that would be pretty nice, right? If I told you you're going to be a millionaire in 70 years versus some of you saying if you were a millionaire in two years, that two years would sound really good. Jeremiah is saying, yeah, yeah, Hananiah, I get it. That would be nice. And in fact, the Bible warns us of this. Paul, near the end of his life, warns his uh, disciple Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.3, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears that will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. He's saying these almost truths they're going to sound nice. As a matter of fact, a lot of times the almost truths make our lives easier because we don't have to get into the reality of what's going on. Some famous almost truths, uh, as, I was, as I was researching this, I thought these were hilarious. So I'm just going to share them with you. That peanuts are not actually nuts, right? They are legumes. They are beans, right? We just call them peanuts because it's easier. Uh, in chemistry, you learn about hydrogen bonds, 
but a hydrogen bond is not actually a bond. It's actually an attraction, you know, things like that. Um, a koala bear is not actually a bear. It's a marsupial. Yes, good job. Okay, a starfish isn't a fish, right? And a palm tree is actually not a tree. It's grass. Did you guys know that? Palm tree is actually a grass. Yeah, that's crazy, right? <laughs> and in those, right, it's simple things, right? It's saying like, ah, oh, we could get into the truth of it. We could call it what it actually is, but it's just easier for us to use this shorthand. You see, and in church sometimes, it's just easier. It's just easier to use the almost truth than to actually get into the real truth. Hey, if you're suffering right now, prosperity gospel, it's probably because, right, God wants to bless you. You just need to pray harder. That's penance gospel. When we're going through times of struggle, somebody comes to you and says, just look at the bright side. Why? Because it's easier. I was talking with a friend of mine who just had, um, she had a 12-week miscarriage. Um, and if any of your parents have ever gone through that or people that you know, I was talking with her and she was like, and I was saying, and there's one point where she's like, the worst thing is when somebody comes and tries to do like one of those silver lining. It's like, hey, at least you know you can get pregnant. What the hell are you trying to like? It's like, oh, at least it wasn't like 20 weeks. <laughs> she's like, why do people say these things? But I realize I know why we say them. Because it's easier to say these almost truths, these, these proverbs, these sayings, and to actually talk about what the truth may be. Almost truths are easy. It's easy. Work hard and you'll do well. It's almost true, right? Just believe in yourself. Yeah? Forgive and forget. Sounds good. And you tried doing it? The almost truths, they sound good, but they're not. So how do we recognize almost truths? Well, let's see what Jeremiah does. So the first one is Jeremiah 28, verse 7 through 8. Yet here now, he says, it'd be great. Hannah and I, it'd be great if what you said was true. But here now, this word that I speak in your hearing and the hearing of all the people. The prophets who preceded you and me from ancient times prophesied war, famine, pestilence against many countries and great kingdoms. The first way that, that Jeremiah recognized that this is an almost truth is he says, I know God's word, and I know God's character, and I know what God has done. I know what God has done. And so you're going to come and you're going to tell me that this is what God wants to do, but it doesn't make sense with who he's been for the last thousand years. It's like right now, if somebody told you, Pastor Jason's planning an outing, we're going to go play golf and then we're going to go hiking, and then we're going to go to a baseball game. Some of you guys are like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. And some of you are like, Pastor Jason has been replaced with a robot. <laughs> because if you know me, all three of those options, I will never do. <laughs> There's sometimes where people are like, hey, let's go hiking. And I'm like, yo, I will drive you to hiking, and then I'll wait for you in the car. <laughs> right? Y'all can go hiking. I'll wait here. I'll take a nap. You guys come back. I'm never, ever going to play golf. I just, there's no appeal whatsoever. And if you know me, I hate baseball. I hate baseball games, except for the playoffs when there's the Astros. But anyways. <clears throat> but the thing is, if you don't know me, if you don't know me, then you wouldn't know when I'm telling you those things that something's up. Right? You wouldn't know. 
And a lot of people ask, how do I know God's voice? And in fact, I was uh, talking with my daughter about it, uh, Eva, who's six years old, because she asked me this very profound question because she, you know, comes to church. She was like, Appa, do you hear God's voice? And I was like, yes, yes, I do. And I was like, Eva, do you hear God's voice? And she was like, no, I don't think so. And I was like, are you sure? And she was like, I don't know, right? And I was like, Eva, do you ever sometimes when you're panicking, right, and you hear a voice in your head saying, it's okay? She's like, oh, yeah, right? And I was like, Eva, whenever sometimes you're angry at somebody and you want to yell at them, do you ever hear a voice in your head that's saying, love them? She's like, oh, yeah. And I was like, that's God's voice in a very simplified form, right? That's God's voice. And so a lot of people ask, right, how do I know, how do I hear God's voice? The problem is if you don't know God, how would you recognize it even if you heard it? You, none of you, right, none of you know my cousin. I got a cousin named Victor. None of you guys know him. So if we were walking in the mall and all of a sudden he shouted your name, right, he shouted your name, right, out loud. If he was like, Daniel, Daniel, you just, nothing, nothing, right? If your mom was in the mall <laughs> and across the food court, your mom goes, Daniel, <laughs> right? right? Where, where are you, right? And then you run, right? You run the other way, right? Why? Because you know that voice. You've heard that voice. So when it speaks to you, you know it. You see, if we don't know the truth of God's word, then the almost truths become really, really tempting. If we don't know the truth, then we won't recognize when that truth is off by just a little bit. The prosperity gospel, God's love for you is God wants to make you comfortable. Okay, well then, why was Joseph sold into slavery and then sent to prison? Why did Moses wander the desert for 40 years by himself and then wander it for 40 years with all these people that he didn't like? Why did Ruth lose her husband? Why did David get pursued by his son? Why did Paul get stoned and beaten and shipwrecked? If that's what God's love is, then how did we explain all of these things of what has happened? If the penance gospel is true, that God's will is for you to work harder, then how do we understand Jacob, the deceiver? How do we understand the judges, Barak and Samson? How do we understand Solomon, the womanizer? How do we understand Esther, the queen who did very little? How do we understand Peter, the guy who denied Christ? And if you don't know who these people are, then yeah, if I tell you that God's will is for you to work harder, I tell you that God's love is to make you comfortable, you won't know. You won't know that that's almost true. We recognize almost truths by knowing God's word. And then, here's a great one, we see if it works. Jeremiah 28, verse 9. As for the prophet who prophesies peace, when the word of that prophet comes to pass, then it will be known that the Lord has truly sent the prophet. I love this. It's super simple. He's like, Hananiah, you say we're going to come back in two years. I say it's going to be 70 years. Let's just see. <laughs> He's like, I don't even need to fight you. You say two years, let's just wait. It's like all those people that are like, the world's going to end. You guys remember that, right? 
Like, I, at Y2K, at the end of the at 2000, all those people were like, the world's going to end. And then, like, the Mayan calendar ran out. The world's going to end. And then it was like, like, two thought was like 11, 11, 11, right? The world's going to end. I was like, dude, is the world going to end every time, like, the date has a cool number, <laughs> right? The world's going to end. I love it because when those people, they come up to you and they go, the world's going to end, you'd be like, cool, <laughs> right? If it ends, cool, right? Like, I don't need to fight you on this. And I think it's always weird that they say it's going to end so soon, right? Because if I was me, if I was trying to get people to just give me money, I'd be like, guys, the world's going to end in the year 2090, because I'll probably be dead by that. So everybody give me your money right now, because in 2090, the world's going to end. But when these people say the world's going to end in a few months, show me, show me. And that's what Jeremiah is saying. He's saying, show me then. Okay, you say this is true, show it to me. You see, it's really easy to tell sometimes an almost truth is try to live it. Try to live it. It's not complicated, right? How do you know in math, right, in all your math classes, how do you know you have the right answer? Plug it back in, right? Some of you are like, what? <laughs> is that why I get all these wrong, <laughs> right? You know, after you, do, after you do it, right, you know, if blah, 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 x, something, something, long equation, you come up with a number, you just put that into where x is, you plug it into your graphing calculator, and if it works, it works. Try to live some of these things. You see, for me, that was the case, right? And this is with the extreme version, with atheism, right? There's no God. There's nothing. Sounds great. Honestly, I'll tell you, atheism sounds great because there's no God. I don't got to worry about all these things. I can just live my life. But then it shouldn't matter who you screw over, right? There's no God. So if I screw you over, right, if I screw over your family, I take all your money, but I get to live a more comfortable life, why should I care? I shouldn't care. There's no God. There's no morality. There's no justice. Someone screws me over, and they get away with it. Well, that's just how life goes. There's no God. Somebody murdered my family. They got away with it. Well, I guess they're just lucky. I'm okay with that because there's no God. It doesn't work. See, that's the weird thing, right, with the extreme versions, right, of, of atheism. People say it, but they don't live it. And then the almost truths, they're the same. The prosperity gospel, God's love is your comfort. So God must love America more than he loves the Philippines or Iran or Sri Lanka, right? Because we're more comfortable than them. Oh, I, I get it, okay? If God's love is our comfort, then all I got to do is be really rich, and then I know God loves me. Easy. God must love these rich people more, even though they're adulterers, even though they're liars, even though they're oppressors, because God's love is comfort. Wait, that doesn't seem to work. Or the penance gospel. We just got to try harder. So then that person who died on their deathbed must not be as good a Christian, right? That's how it goes. I know the good Christians are the ones that memorize more Bible verses and that go to more church, even though they're still mean, even though they're still hypocritical. It doesn't work. You see, we have to suspend our belief or suspend our disbelief in order to believe that which is not true, right? I mean, we see it in science, right? Those people who deny climate change, the anti-vaxxers, right? People that believe in eugenics and stuff like that. And then you present to them all this scientific evidence and what do they do? Ah, la, 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 la. Right? I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. Nope, I'm just going to focus on this one thing. In church, sometimes we do that as well. 
I know a lot of church people that have memorized just the verses that they like. And they don't memorize the other verses. They don't look at the other stuff. Just memorize this one verse that I like really well. And don't look at the other stuff. We cherry pick our truths. And we can't. What I love about science, the pursuit of science, pursuit of knowledge. Have you guys ever seen or realized that all these things in your classes, they always teach you as theories, right? That there's so few laws like, even in science, there's so few laws. Why is that? Because we understand that for something to be a law, for something to be truth, it has to always be true. Our theory of gravity breaks down in certain places, the way we explain gravity. It, it breaks down around black holes. That's why we're studying black holes. So we don't teach you the law of gravity. We teach you the theory of gravity, because we know in one place it doesn't work. There's a lot of things where it, it's truth is true, it has to always be true. It can't just be true in the moments I want it to be true. I can't just say that being a Christian means being a good person because right now I just want to surround myself with good people and I don't want to go to the people who are bad. I don't want to forgive the people who are bad. We can't just say that being a Christian is about trying harder because that makes me feel good because right now I try harder at church than you do. So I must be a better Christian. It has to always be true. So how do we respond then to these almost truths? Well, what we see here, the pattern that Jeremiah sets is don't fight, seek God, but respond with the truth. Jeremiah 28 verse 10, then the prophet Hananiah took the yoke bars from the neck of the prophet and broke them. He took the yoke bars off his neck. He's like, your illustration sucks, right? I'm going to take it and I'm going to break it. And Hananiah spoke in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, even so will I break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar. And Jeremiah went his way. I think Jeremiah was probably happy. He was like, dude, I've been wearing this for like five months, right? Thank you. God redeems this. I know you wrong, but God's redeeming this. I'm free. He doesn't have to fight him in that moment. Sometime after the prophet Hananiah had broken the bars, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Go tell Hananiah, thus says the Lord. You have broken wooden bars, but you have made in the place bars of iron. So he says, I don't got to fight you right now. But he goes and he makes sure. Because I, th I feel like, like Jeremiah might have had a twinge of doubt, right? You know, I've been telling people this really bad news. That's going to be 70 years. Maybe I heard it wrong, right? Maybe Hananiah is right. Maybe it is only going to be two years because that would be really nice. Let me go. Let me make sure that I got this right. But when he does, he goes back and he tells him this is what it, the truth is. 1 Peter 3.15 lays out this same pattern. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Seek God. Always being prepared to make a defense. you got to respond. But do it with gentleness and respect. But you don't got to fight him. Listen, this is something that you're going to face wherever you go. Right, Because I believe that our churches right, love the gospel. I believe our church loves the gospel and knows the gospel and preaches the gospel. But sometimes we're going to say things that maybe aren't right because it's easier. Sometimes we're going to tell you almost truths because we don't want to go into the time and the energy to really get into what the reality is. You've got to be able to say to whoever stands up here, to whatever leader, yeah, I don't know if that's true. But we're not picking fights. 
We're not going around saying, hey, let's go yell at everybody. But we're telling them, wait, is this really what God says? Is this really God's word? The prosperity gospel, that God's love equals our comfort. No. And not, I'm not telling you that just because you're wrong. I'm telling you that because that's, that's, that will suck, right? Because guess what? I don't know if you guys have realized this. I don't think any single one of you is going to get to a point in your life where you are 100% comfortable every day for the rest of your life. And if you think that you're going to reach that point, please wake up. That's not going to happen. And if we think that God's love is our comfort, then we're going to miss the depth of God's love because we're going to always be chasing that comfort. The penance gospel, if there's some of you that think, I just got to work harder and do better and follow all the rules, then we are going to miss God's grace. I'm not coming to you and saying, you're so wrong and yelling at you. I'm coming to you and saying, but God's grace is greater. God wants you to have that grace. So we don't got to be jerks about it, right? We don't got to be jerks about our faith. But at the same time, we have to respond with truth. Responding with truth will bring you into conflict with those who want almost truths. Jeremiah 28, and Jeremiah the prophet said to the prophet Hananiah, listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, and you have made this people trust in a lie. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I will remove you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die because you have uttered rebellion against the Lord. In that same year, in the seventh month, the prophet Hananiah died. Jeremiah's not a jerk about it. Listen, Hananiah, what you're saying is wrong, but I got to tell you that it's wrong because Although God's gonna, God isn't going to like this, that you're wrong, right? And it's not going to work out for you. You're wrong. And he dies. I've often struggled with this. I think many of us do. Because we'll hear people say, I mean, if somebody says something blatantly untrue, how much do we, do we strive to correct it? You know, I, <clears throat> I was listening to this story. Um... Uh, about this guy in Hollywood who uh, very recently uh, has fallen, uh, thankfully, because of a lot of claims of sexual harassment because he was an assaulter. But the sad thing about this story was seven years ago, these women made the exact same claims. They made the exact same claims seven years ago, and nothing happened. Nothing happened seven years ago because we were in a different cultural climate, because we didn't have the Me Too movement yet, because we didn't have the Time's Up movement yet. And so they made the exact same claims. In fact, there was a reporter who finally got one woman to go on the record and wrote a piece, and they thought, all right, this is it. And nothing happened. And it makes me wonder sometimes, right, when we hear untruths, because we're afraid of that conflict, we don't do anything. Or because we even wonder, will it accomplish anything? We don't say anything. I know a lot of you guys notice that I use a lot of social illustrations, and it's because I care about a lot of these things. But I run into the fact that especially because I grew up in Texas, so I got people, I got friends, I got family, I got people I love that are sometimes just really wrong, <laughs> like super wrong. You know, I got climate denier friends, right? I got anti-vaxxer friends. I got Obama's a Muslim friends, right? Like, I'm like, 
oh, man, right? And there are times, right, where I got to wonder, you know, okay, do I say something? And I've learned. On Facebook, maybe not. <laughs> right? On Facebook, I'm going to just hide it. But when I'm talking with somebody, right, when I'm talking with somebody, like I remember one time I was talking to this friend, good friend of mine, and just off the cusp, he was like, he was like, Hillary has killed people. Hillary Clinton has, like, killed people. And I'm like, there's, like, a little spidey sense in my head, right, that's like, I thought we were talking about basketball. <laughs> like, should I just keep talking about basketball, or do we stop and say, wait a second, I don't think that's true. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure it's not true. <laughs> Let's talk about this. That's uncomfortable. It sucks. It's not a great conversation. It's a conflicting conversation, a lot of those. But I think we have to see that's where the courage lies, to have those conversations, to pursue the truth, even when the almost true would be easier just to let it slide. In church, we're like that. You know, I think about the times, like the Dark Ages, right? In the Dark Ages, when the Catholic Church was like crazy messed up, Right? They had all these, they had this idea of like limbo where when you die, you don't go to heaven or hell. You go to this like weird floating bubble place. And if you do certain things, then you'll get, you'll get time off of limbo. They were like selling these things called indulgences. You guys learn about this in school? Like indulgences. It was like, yo, if you give me a hundred bucks, I'll give you 10 years off of purgatory. And I'm like, yo, that's the best deal. Like, that's the best salesman pitch ever, right? Like, like, give me money, and I'll give you a product that you'll know you got when you're dead. No refunds. Or actually, full refunds, right? If you come back, you tell me it didn't work, 100% refund, right? Like, think about how crazy that got. But I wonder how it got there. It didn't get there because one day someone woke up and had all these crazy things. I think it, if you look, it, it got there because at one point people were willing to sacrifice the truth for an almost truth. That was a little easier. And then they were willing to sacrifice that for another almost truth that was a little easier and a little easier and a little easier. You see, I'm, I'm, I'm like blown away, I think, always at God's timing um, because I'm super excited. This is my second to last message for you guys. Next week's going to be Jeremiah 29, which is this very famous passage, uh, for you know the plans I have for you, uh, says the Lord. But I'm so glad we're looking at this because I, I got to tell you, this is the danger you're going to face. And listen, Pastor Isaac is going to take over interim for the summer, and I trust Pastor Isaac with the gospel, you know, 100%. I actually trust all our pastors here at this church with the gospel, 100%. But I don't know who your pastors are going to be in the future. I don't know what churches you're going to be part of in the future. Some of you, you go to college, you'll be in different churches in different states, you go to different countries, you'll do all these different things, and you'll hear all these different voices. And you should, right? I don't want you to be in some sheltered little bubble. <laughs> but as you go, how do you know? How will you know when somebody is telling you an almost truth? You know, if you walk into a church and there's like a giant statue of an elephant, you know, right? You know, right? Like just, just turn around, leave, right? That's, that's about but, but how will you know the churches, the places that tell you the almost truths? You got to know God's word. You got to know God's character. And you got to think it through and live it out. And then you'll know. And you got to fight for that truth. 
We gotta desire that truth. The message for today is this. Jesus is the truth. So don't settle for almost truths. It's easy, I know, because I, I struggle with it all the time. It's easy to settle into the almost truths. But if Jesus is the truth, don't settle for almost true. Right? Can you imagine if we did that in science? <laughs> right? Like, oh, this drug almost cures cancer. Good enough. <laughs> this, this person almost, right, lost everything. They still have $1 left. <laughs> Good enough. No. We don't settle for almost truths. We want the truth. And that has this power. Jesus said this, and it's one of my favorite verses. He said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We pursue the truth with everything in our lives, our minds, our hearts, our bodies, our lives. Why? Because if the truth is true, why would we settle for anything less? So as I invite the praise team to lead us in a time of response, I just want to ask you, do you want the truth? Not what I say, not what anybody else says, because, you know, we make mistakes sometimes. But if God is real, if God is real and God is wanting you to know him, right? He's not distant. He wants you to know him. God wants you to know the truth. And that means he's going to make a way for us to know the truth. But will we settle for almost true? Will we settle for halfway? Will we settle for something easier? Or will we genuinely seek the truth? So let's take a moment to pray uh, for ourselves. Uh, and then we're going to take a moment to pray for each other. Um, and then we will respond with praise. Part of the difficulty of pursuing the truth is having to be confronted when we are living with lies. And that is hard. It is hard. And that's why we do church together. So that we can, in love, show each other the lies that are there. And not just the obvious lies, but the almost truths. To remind one another the truth of Jesus' love the truth of our value, the truth of our hope. And so at this time, I want you to just hold the hand or the shoulder of somebody next to you, and I want you to pray for them and just pray for their life to be filled with truth. And a part of that is a prayer that says, God, will you rid them of the lies and will you steer them away from the almost truths? 
And then as you pray for them, for those things, realize too that that is a commitment of ourselves to say that therefore as a friend, as a church brother and sister, that I commit to have some of those difficult conversations, to point out when somebody's living with a lie because I want them to know the truth and the truth to set them free. So let's take a moment to pray for one another. Let's pray. Jesus said that we worship him together in spirit and in truth, with our hearts and with our minds, with our souls and with our strength. This is part of why we worship together. This is part of why we gather together, to not suspend our disbelief, but to surrender our disbelief and to to. To, to contemplate, to learn, to be revealed what the truth of the gospel is. And so as we respond in praise, sing, but also think about what these words mean about what the truth really is. And if you want to talk about it, if you want to, 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 to study it, if you want to question it, if you want to doubt it, if you want to challenge it, I welcome you to do that. Because Jesus says he is the truth and the life. And so he will stand against any of our questions. And he will reveal that truth and it will set us free. So if you would at this time, rise with me as we respond with our worship and our praise.